0: and so my why is i know cycling it's a really really simple solution but it has the power to solve the world's most complex problems and that's my why the big question is this how do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health our happiness and our longevity that is the question and this podcast will give you the answers my name is anthony walsh and welcome to the roadman podcast We're going to try something a little different this week, folks. I have decided to err against bringing a guest on this week. I love having the guests. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to, you know, Bling Matthews last week, Steve Cummins, Tyler Hamilton. I'm just name dropping because I can. Yeah, we've pulled some pretty amazing guests. But as much as I love getting the guests And as much as I love hearing their insights, I think increasingly I'm going to start giving the podcast a bit of my own voice and a bit of my own opinion. And this week, I want to talk about a topic that fascinates me. I'm an absolute student of it, and I'm sure it's going to be of absolutely critical fascination to you. It's about the topic of why do some people succeed and others don't? So I'm talking about sport, but I'm going to draw examples from outside sport. So I'm talking about why do some of us succeed in cycling and others don't, whatever success looks like to you. But to illustrate that, I'm going to draw examples from tech companies. I'm going to draw examples from aviation, from public figures through the years. And I'm going to talk to you about a key principle, which uh, was brought to light by a brilliant speaker, if you ever get a chance to see him, called Simon Sinek. And he talks about a concept called the golden circle the why, the how, and the what. So let's think for a little bit about a company like Apple. What makes a company like Apple pop? What makes them succeed? What makes them so unique? Well, like any company, there's three real things that determine their success. Their access to capital, their access to talent and market forces. But when we analyze Apple, they have no appreciable advantage in any of these. They're not capitalized any better than other companies. Their talent certainly isn't better. Arguably, there's better talent in companies like IBM and Dell. And they're they're producing and manufacturing with the same market forces as everyone else, yet they have carved out a product that has success, multiples of their competitors. These examples are littered through history. If we just go back and we look at the Wright brothers and their quest to you know, be the force to bring uh, airplane, mechanically propelled aviation, they had absolutely no funding. It was all funded from personal savings and debt. The entire staff at the Wright brothers, it was the two brothers and they had a bunch of other guys, but no one had a college education and even their main competitor at the time he was super well funded by all the banks He was college educated. He had a handpick of all the finest minds and finest talent. And the New York Times even decided to do a daily fly on the wall type story. Assuming he would be the first one to bring a mechanically propelled plane into the sky. But he lost. He lost to the Wright brothers. He lost to the Wright brothers with no funding. What separates them? The same with Martin Luther King. He wasn't the only man of colour facing adversity back in the day. He wasn't a particularly well connected guy. He wasn't even the best orator of his time, but he succeeded in getting a message out there. He succeeded in lighting a spark and starting a revolution. And what is that? What makes them succeed? You know, Of all the cyclists in that past generation, why is it that Parkin had <laughs> the massive dope? And why is it that Armstrong put such a stranglehold on that whole era and won seven tour de francis why is that everyone was doping at that era we know that now what is it is it what he's doing is it the training method is it because he's working with ferrari there's loads of other cyclists working with ferrari does he have genetic talent It, it doesn't look like that from the stuff the research that's out there so what's the extra you know as the french would say je ne sais quoi Well, Simon Sinek stumbled across this thing and he calls it the golden circle. And I want to talk to you about the golden circle and how we use this in A1 coaching. It's predicated on what every company knows what they're doing, cycling coaching. Some companies, successful companies, know how they're doing it. They have a framework, they have a structure. And then the really great companies know why they're doing it. And that's what we're going to get into. That is... That's the essence of what separates... Also runs from greats. It's what separates people we can't really remember from the all-stars that'll go down in history. Like Armstrong had an unbelievably strong why. That inner circle of this golden circle. The what, the how, the why. The what, I'm going to win Tour of France's. The how... I'm going to try my nuts off to why I'm going to empower cancer survivors the world over. I'm going to show them there's hope. I'm going to show them that just because you've gone through chemo doesn't limit your possibilities. Apple do the exact same thing. What do they do? They build phones. How do they do it? Not a production line. They've got some proprietary tech, but they're mainly buying in parts. Why are they doing it? Because they believe in challenging the status quo. They believe in thinking differently. That's the ethos that makes them succeed, and today, in today's podcast, I'm gonna talk to you and show you about how you can harness that same ethos for your own benefit. Now, I bet you're glad I didn't get a guest in. there. what? That's it, turn off the TV in the background, stick away the distraction, and strap yourself in, because, yeah, Bling Matthews wasn't dropping these knowledge bombs. Okay, so we're gonna start out with the what. So I'm going to use A1 coaching as an example because we're all on this journey to get better at cycling. We're all on this journey for a result. So if we take the place we are right now as our starting point and the analogy I love to use is a GPS. As soon as you stick in a GPS that you're going somewhere it needs to know two things. It pings the satellite and it says where are we now and then you add in the destination. You need to figure out what your destination is and I don't mean a destination like winning a race. That's not a destination. That's a byproduct. That's what happens as a result of this journey that we're going on. Your destination is its to reclaim your youth. Your destination is to have that vigor and that energy again. Your destination has a passion. It has a drive about it. So that's what we do. We bring clients on this journey to a destination. And how we do that is... A framework and this is our second point of the circle I spoke about the outer circle being the what you do we bring you from where you are now to this destination to reclaiming that you to reclaiming that vigor and how we do it is it's a framework and it's a framework is it's a map that helps you know where you're going if you ever get stuck if you forget where you're going next your framework has all the answers now a framework can be difficult uh, it, it can conceptually difficult to think about what a framework is in some instances and explain it, but I break it down and I'd say it's like a recipe. A recipe is a framework. It's a step-by-step guide. We know exactly what we're doing at each point in the, of the recipe to make the cake. But cycling coaching isn't a framework in itself. We're a part of the framework. We're not going to take you from where you are to the result you want to get. We're only one small part. Like if you go to the dentist looking for, you know, a good smile is the outcome you're looking for as the result of going to the dentist. The teeth whitening that the dentist offers that's a part of the framework. But the rest of the framework includes, you know, brushing your teeth twice a day, flossing, maybe taking supplements. Then going to the dentist to get the teeth whitening is a part of the framework, but it's only one step in the framework. So cycling coaching alone isn't the problem or isn't the solution. It needs to be part of a plugged-in framework. And you know, this framework that we created in A1, we just refer to it internally as the blueprint. And the idea with the blueprint is... Actually, do you know what? I'll tell you how I discovered this blueprint because it was... It was hard fought and a lot of you might not know, but when I came into cycling, I suppose in around 2005, and I'll unashamedly say I was crap. I was not good. I was not a overnight success story in cycling. I came in and from 2005, 2011, I'd say I played this huge, long, drawn out game of trial and error. I'd try something, I'd have a limited bit of success. Maybe I'd try five things, and I'd have success with one of those five things. Then after six months, I'd hold on to that one thing I had a bit of success with, and I'd try four four more things. And I had this massive game of trial and error over years. I hadn't got cash, I couldn't afford it. I was a student, I couldn't afford to get help, and honestly, help was hard to find. So I had to figure this out myself, and I gradually pieced together. Like, I'll tell you, when I went out cycling at the start, honest to god i wouldn't eat or drink on a training ride because i thought that if you eat and drink on a training ride it'll make you soft (laughs) this is honest to god this happened i wouldn't eat nothing i wouldn't have a sip of water on a training ride i'd go out for four or five hour rides and my rationale being that when i get into a race on the weekend and i put this water and this food into my body it's gonna be like rocket fuel And these are the hard lessons that I built this framework out of. That was one of the more more bizarre ones that I ever dreamt up. But I was like a a deranged Graham Aubrey. If you've ever seen Graham Aubrey taking the bearings out of his wife's washing machine, trying to figure out how they're able to spin at 10,000 revolutions a minute, but his cranks aren't able to spin at that speed. That's what I was like. I was like a deranged professor trying to figure this stuff out. And that all happened. Until I had a point and I met a mentor and I met Michael Barry and Michael Barry was racing for Sky at the time and I'd been a massive student of the sport and I'd, you know, I'd read and watched every single thing I could get my hands on and I was acutely aware who Michael Barry was, you know, watched him his time through Postal all the way, Columbia High Road and then he was at Sky when I met him. And I chatted to Michael Barry, chatted to him, told him some of the stories like, hey, I'm not eating and drinking on train rides, man, I need help. And I'd had some success at this stage, but I still was very, very far from figuring out the process or the system. So I met Michael Barry and Michael Barry said, he he laughed, he laughed at me and he's like, dude, there's a process, there's a system. And this was the first I ever heard of the framework, the how do we get this done? We have our vision to take back our youth. like that's the, what we're going to do. That's the result we're going to get but the hell we're going to do it, this framework was still unknown to me. And Michael Barry said, look, there's a system. And he brought me in and he showed me the system. He showed me, look, these are the type of training rides you need to do this is how the zone system works this is how much time you can spend in certain zones each week here's how many endurance miles you need to accumulate here's the purpose of these endurance miles talked to me concepts like mitochondria being the powerhouses for endurance how we developed them talked about the specificity of of uh, efforts like going in people doing two by 20 minute threshold efforts mike barry just blew all that away from me and thought think about the race think about what happens we never ride slowly into a climb and think oh yeah it's time to do a threshold effort that doesn't happen we explode into a climb absolutely full gas and then it settles down so i re everything i thought i knew about training and coaching at the time was just blown out the window my 20 minute efforts became full gas one minute efforts and then 19 minutes of threshold where my body was learning to deal with the lactate and i would replicate these things hundreds of times in training so when i got into the race i knew exactly what was going to happen amazing sessions that i still do to this day yesterday i was out on the wicklow mountains i had done this session it's a two by 24 minutes where you're the first let me see if i remember this one i hope mike's not listening kill me if I get this one wrong you're two minutes 30 watts above threshold one minute 30 watts below threshold and you're repeating that cycle seven times for 24 minutes and it's two reps of that but this mimics the surging and the attacking that happens on climbs and Honestly, so many times you'll be riding beside someone and you'll up it for your 2 minutes 30 watts above threshold. They'll assume that's your threshold. I can't sustain this, they'll think. They'll drop off. The sessions were rooted in sports science. They were specific to the demands of the event, but there was also heavy elements of sports psychology built into them. And this framework, this blueprint, just absolutely blew my mind away. I'd say Mike showed me this in about 2011, and then I went from 2011 to the end of 2014 kind of riding the bike full-time one of the things that around the time mike had always said to me and i'd heard it loads other pros you can do two things you can have a job you can have college you can have a relationship with a girlfriend or significant other or you can have cycling pick two of those because if you try and do three the wheels will fall off everything and you won't be able to do three I heard this time and time again but to be honest from 2011 to 2015 it was not a problem i was cycling i had a girlfriend i was making my living i'll bet a terrible living but i was making a living and i had humble wants and humble needs so the money i was making it was more than enough to cover what i was spending and yeah to a lot of people i was living the dream back then it wasn't my it turned out it wasn't my dream but that's a story for a different day but i came home and in 2015 2014 uh, was my se- a season back home and i started to try to introduce a third i tried to introduce work into this i was no longer getting paid to ride the bike i was no longer a professional bike rider i started introducing work a1 coaching was up and running i found that it was a game of counterbalance. The more time I put into A1 coaching, the more my relationship suffered or the more my cycling suffered. So the, the kind of doctrine that I heard of only being able to balance two of these three things was actually right. And But I engaged in this sort of game of counterbalance because I was able to cycle pretty much like the, I used to be doing, I was still doing 25 hours a week on the bike, basically a full time cyclist but I was able to work very little I, I got lucky around then because a, A1 was just hopping it was cycling was booming, we were the only coaching company around and I was able to get away with doing very little work and kinda still balancing them but something was off and it wasn't happening and I could see that if I was to do any more than kind of five hours a week work cycling would start suffering or the relationship would start suffering and Intermission time. The regular listeners know what this is. This is the time to just relax, unwind, breathe out. Say it with me. Oosa. Calming thoughts. Oosa. This is the time to just take that collective exhalation, take a little bit of a break from the podcast, but also to remind you of how reliant we are on Patreon. If you value this podcast, if you love hearing this podcast week in, week out, please jump on over to patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh, buy me a coffee, and it keeps this show on the road. Let's jump back into it. I engaged in this game of Counterbalance, I suppose, until about 2018, and a number of other business ventures which is a story for another day and i was starting to think i was billy big entrepreneur but more than that i was thinking you know what i need to grow up here i need to start generating uh income that's that's predictable like if i'm ever going to get a mortgage if i'm ever going to move on and you know as my parents would say grow up that i needed to have a steady income so i tried to diversify into a bunch of different businesses and It wasn't like I was working crazy 60, 70 hour weeks, but I know I was working a full time week. I was working a 40 hour week. So now I had a girlfriend. Now I was trying to work a 40 hour week and now I was cycling. True enough, like I was told by countless people, I could not do the tree. The wheels absolutely fell off the cycling. And I went away, I was lucky enough to be able to press pause on a lot of businesses. I went away, traveled, researched, read, went on this journey to try and figure out how to balance this tree. And honestly, I was pretty close to giving up and I didn't think it was possible to balance the tree. And I had a chance meeting one day with a buddy and he was a mountain runner and I got talking to him and he was talking about how much the business was booming and how he was about to exit the company and then he was talking about the amazing relationship he had at home and how he just had his third kid and i was like what the hell and then he was talking about how he was hoping the place in the nationals over in the states in mountain running and i was like well hold on let me count this let me see if i got this right one two three yeah that's right in my head i'm not going mental here he is actually doing three things well and i dug into it And it turned out he figured something out that I'd never figured out and that no cyclist I'd known had ever figured out. And it was about stress and how to balance stress and the hormone cortisol and how we have positive stressors in our life that we need like training. And then we have negative stressors in our life like relationship stress, work stress, nutritional stress. So if you think about like a two liter bottle of water and that's our stress capacity, If you fill your 2-liter bottle of water like 95% to the top with negative stressors, that only gives us a 5% room to add positive stressors in. So we have very little positive training stress. That's why we're going crap on the bike. But if you can find a way to still work, still have a relationship, still eat occasional meals out and stuff, but have your stress bottle only like 10% and giving yourself a 90% capacity to add training stimulus... Now you're away. Now you can do it. So he told me this story and he told me how he was doing it. And it was by using strategies and frameworks to reduce the stress. So I was licking my lips and I plagued him for more and more information about that. this. Eventually, I got a weekend over in his house and we talked about these concepts and And it was the marrying of the stuff that Michael Barry had taught me back in the day, the framework around training and how we train and how we condition an athlete and marrying this with the stress balancing concept. And that's how we built what we call the blueprint in A1. And because like I'm saying, training isn't, isn't the whole picture here. It's, got to be all the bits it's got to be the training the diet the sports psychology element the nutrition element the strength and conditioning element the core element and then you've got to add in the stress mitigating stuff the biohacks reducing environmental toxins grounding light therapy cold therapy meditation you've got to add in all this stuff and that's how we do it so collectively we call this the framework and that's our recipe for success that's how we th- take an athlete from their starting point of whatever level of fitness they're at right now to their end point of I want to recapture that vigor oh I don't want to slide into middle age and start putting on extra weight and you know that slow march to fat middle-aged ill health isn't inevitable and that's the power of the framework that we use Whew, I'm gonna take a little exhale there because that is powerful Uh that's powerful stuff and that framework has honestly that's what a1 coaching has been and i the podcast is now you know it's i wanted to tell this story but i didn't want to tell this story to an empty room and that's why getting the amazing guests on building the profile of the podcast getting it to this tipping point where all you guys are tuning in before i dropped this nugget was my preferable outcome and luckily enough the podcast has taken off with amazing guests and we will get back to amazing guests nicholas roach is on next week so you all have that to look forward to if you're sick of my rants already this week but i'm not finished with that one yet i'm not finished i'm not ready to put this one down quite yet when you're coming through our process like i'm thinking i'd start with a client uh, a couple of days ago and he's over in doha and the framework that we're using the step-by-step, the blueprints, as we're referring to it internally, the blueprint that we're using with all these bits and pieces in it. I can't just dump them all on them, because if I dump them all on them, it's going to be overwhelmed. It's it's just going to be like splot all over a copy book. It's not going to make any sense. So my job as the coach now is to guide him and give him information just in time. Just as he's coming to the next step and his foot is about to land on the next step, that's when the information will appear. That's when I'll give him the next piece of the puzzle. Do you ever watch Karate Kid? I used to pretend I was... Oh, here, this is a bad one for you. Looking back, I used to just hate school. I was really... I don't want to say I was bad at school, but I just hated school. It just didn't make any sense to me. It just it didn't I don't know, it didn't ring the bell for me. I loved playing football and that's all I wanted to do all day. So I used to pretend I was sick to get off school, but I used to go really far with this, and this is why I've lost all faith in the medical profession. I'd actually, you know, I'd fake the high temperature using hot water bottles and stuff like that, trick my mom. We aren't that flush on cash, and she was paying to go to the doctor regrettable i my lens that i'm looking back on now so she'd bring me to the local gp me pretend that i'm sick the gp would agree and yeah yes 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 i concur like what a joker so the gp would agree and go yeah he is sick and i take the antibiotics and i go home and i take the antibiotics i never gave a second thought to ill consequences of taking them i ate them like smarties uh but i'd be happy out and i'd be at home all day watching my movies uh, one of the movies as a kid i loved watching was karate kid and in karate kid mr miyagi if you haven't seen it you need to go back and watch it i assume you've seen it but in karate kid mr miyagi gives daniel son who wants to come in and learn the tricks of the trade learn karate he says you know what go wax the car here's how you do it wax on wax off wax on wax off Danielson's like, come on, I want to be chopping bricks and shit. I want to be breaking planks with karate chops. I'm out waxing your car. So he does this for you know ad nauseum for days. And then he thinks, right, I'm ready to get going. Let, teach me some karate. He's like, no. Now we paint the fence. Paint up, paint down, paint up, paint down. And Danielson is losing his mind here. He just wants to get stuck into the heavy karate stuff. But what's not clear from to Danielson at the time is this painting the fence, waxing the car, it's part of a framework. It's part of a step-by-step guide to get him from where he is to the result that he needs. Later on in the movie, we see when he starts fighting people to block a kick, he goes wax on to block a punch, paint the fence, wax on, paint the fence, block a kick, block a punch. And his technique, it's impeccable from hundreds of thousands of repetitions of painting fences and waxing cars. So that's exactly what we try and do. It's at times it's not always clear why we're doing we're saying to a client it's not clear to the client why they're being asked to do what they're being asked to do but you just need to trust that there is a process that there is a framework and the main thing you can do to guarantee your success i look across all the clients i'm in a pretty unique position i think in a1 because a1 we're going since 2012 or nearly eight years can't wait for the 10th anniversary i never ever thought this is going to be a small project i was doing this you know to make it a pocket money to think in two years time uh, god god willing that i'll be 10 years doing a1 coaching is incredible but of all time in a1 coaching i'm in a unique position in that we've got a bunch of coaches and i've kind of the master control and i can see everybody's training files So I can see what works and what doesn't work on almost an unprecedented scale. I'm not sure who, if is is there another coach in the world? I don't know if there is that's had that access to that many files over that much time. I don't know, but for me, when I look at, I I love looking at macro trends, uh, economics. Uh, was my undergrad and macro trends, big picture trends, like a bird's eye view. If you think about a bird just hovering above a town and looking at what's going well and what's not, that's what I love to do. And teachability index is huge. And when a client comes in and they think they know everything, that's when I know we have a problem. If somebody comes in and they're willing to open their mind and they're willing to learn, I can almost guarantee success for that client. And it's society where just we structure learning in such a bad way and in a lot of ways the worst thing that ever happens to a lot of people is they get a college degree because all up until that point you're a kid and you're a sponge and you're learning every day every day learning you're a student hungry for knowledge and then at some point you're called up on stage some fat lad shakes your hand gives you a diploma sticks a cap on your head and said now you know something and now you go out into the world and you stop learning and at that point you're just closing yourself to new information and when i see these people coming in that are closed to new information i know we have a problem luckily luckily we do get a lot of the teachable types in and that's where we are blessed to have crazy stats on success but there's a concept called how who not how and this is a concept i learned in business and then i applied it into a1 and there's, you know that saying learn from mistakes but they don't have to be your mistakes and this is my place where i'm saying to you learn from my mistakes i told you at the start when before i met mike barry and before i met my buddy the mountain runner i was playing serious game a trial and error If I had the cash, I was trying to figure out the how, but I should have been trying to answer a different question, who? Who already has this knowledge? I don't need to go and find this knowledge. I don't need to waste from 2005 until 2012, seven years of my life that I'll never get back trying to learn this knowledge. I was looking for the how when I should have been searching for the who, and I might've found Mike Barry, and I might've connected with my runner friend much, much earlier. So what I would say to you is, don't go focusing on the how. Don't become a student unnecessarily. Focus on the who. Who can show me this stuff? And that is the best way to to just you know supercharge your success. If you think about a, a guy that's coming in to build a house, a contractor. And if a contractor... Screw the contractor. If I was going to build a house you know, down in Kinsale, I love Kinsale. And if I wanted to build a house down there... I go on YouTube and I go, right, first things first, I need to lay a bit of foundation. How do I do that? And I go on YouTube and I buy a book and I study for six months and I learn how to build foundation. Now the next thing is I need to stick up a timber frame and YouTube, books, another six months I learn how to do it. Stick the walls up, stick the roof up, rinse and repeat. It's going to take me about seven or eight years to build this house because I have to learn every one of these skills. I'm looking at the how. Instead, I should be looking at the who. I should be pulling out the phone book. I should be pulling Google and going, right, who lays concrete? Who sticks up walls? You get these guys in after one after the other. The house is knocked up in a couple of months. That's how we fast forward and get the success way, way faster. Uh, right, I'm going to move on to the third point in our kind of framework. And... I spoke at the start about uh, Simon Signac and his idea of this, the golden circle. The, what do we do? Well, we bring clients in and we get clients a coaching result. We see where they are now. We see where they want to get to. That's the, what we do. The how we do it is through the framework, through that framework that I spent, you know, years trial and error trying to figure out this framework. Now we have a blueprint in place where we know at every step in the journey, what needs to happen next? Our own little recipe, our step-by-step guide. And then we get on to the why. And the why the why is the most powerful question. Because the why is a, a, a question I get asked probably more than any other question. I spent seven years in university to graduate and qualify as a barrister, and then I chose to spend the last eight years coaching people and teaching them how to be a better athlete. There has to be a big why there or I don't get up in the morning. There has to be a big why there or I'm recording this podcast late, late evening. There has to be a big why to do that. And there is a huge why for us. For me, I've seen how powerful cycling coaching has been i've seen its effect on depression i've seen you know friends clients that are in a really bad way that are going through some pretty severe personal trauma everything from bereavements to breakups to health problems and it's really severely affected their mental health and i've seen how powerful the bike can be at alleviating that depression I've seen the confidence that it's given to people, people coming in and they're just have no self-confidence. They're just, they won't speak up in a room. They can't stand up straight. They're just, they're, they're meek, timid souls. And I've seen that bringing them on this journey, bringing them from where they are to that result, to that recapturing that youth. I've seen that the byproduct of that, that confidence that it instills, it's life-changing. It re- It results in promotions for people in work. It results in, you know, being able to put yourself out there if you're single and go on these dating apps. It's so powerful. I've seen the effect it's had on people's body weight. And we all know the health implications of reducing your body weight, even a few kilograms. I've seen people shed, like I've seen friends have been invited to their wedding. They were clients, then they were friends. I was at their weddings. I've seen them losing 25, 35, 40 kilograms. Like this stuff is real. Uh, I've seen the effect on you know, people's mood on traffic congestion. Like, I'm stuck in a car for two hours. Then you teach them how to cycle. Now they can do this 40K commute, and they're loving it. An hour and 20, cruising, amazing. I've seen the effect on the identity that we've built for people. Now they're cyclists, and that's how they behave. They behave in accordance with their new identity and they build habits that are healthy around this new identity. Because what do cyclists do? Cyclists cycle. Cyclists get up in the morning, they put on their kit, even if it's pissing rain, we put on our kit and we get out the door. That's why this is called the Roadman Podcast, because that's how we see ourselves. We're cyclists. We don't drink till fucking two in the morning, wake up with a hangover, go down the road to the local chipper and you know whip up a breakfast roll. That's not what we do, that's not our identity, it's not who we are. I've seen the effect on status, I've seen people rehabbing injuries and I've seen the joy of people standing on the top steps of podium, everything from A4 races to national championships. I've seen all this and so my why is I know cycling. It's a really, really simple solution, but it has the power to solve the world's most complex problems, and that's my why. So my exercise for you today is figure out your why. Why are you doing this? Why are you on this journey? So you have those, let's think back to the to the golden circle, to what you're doing, what you're doing, it's the training, it's getting up, it's getting your sessions done. How are you doing it? Hopefully you're coming through a framework that we have, or if you're not coming through a framework, you're with some other equally competent guide who's going to show you this framework and is not just going to give you a cycling coach and do these sessions and think that that's the whole picture because that is far from the whole picture. But what I want you to ponder on, what I want you to go away and think about is your why. Why are you doing this? What's your vision? So ours, it's cycling. It's a simple solution to the world's most complex problems. I'm going to leave you with that today, Roadmen. Think about your why. Thanks for listening. I'm going to chat to you next week with Nicholas Roach. That's it, folks. That is a wrap for this week's Roadman podcast. It is more important than ever this week, folks, that I get feedback on this episode. I'm at a little bit of a crossroads with the podcast, I have to be honest. I'm trying to figure out what direction to bring this podcast. I love chatting to the world tour guys. I'm trying to figure out, is that a guilty indulgence of mine or do you love hearing these guys? It feels like I can get so much more knowledge and information and steer the ship a lot better when it's just me giving my opinion. I can go off and I can research something in depth. I can read 10 books on an issue. I can summarise them all and I can give you, you know, the nuggets to save you that time. I don't have that platform when I'm interviewing a guest. Or should I do a little bit of mix and match combo? I suppose that's where I'm at at the moment, thinking maybe I'll do a bit of a mix and match. We do have, as I mentioned, Nicholas Roach next week, so it's mix and match for the moment. But please, screen capture the podcast as you're listening. To it. Stick it in your Instagram stories, tag me on A1 Coaching and let me know what you think of the new format. Would be much, much appreciated. Folks, this has been The Man Podcast. You can jump on over to patreon.com forward slash Anthony underscore Walsh to support this podcast. Everyone who supports this podcast is on my list of legends. Everyone who doesn't support this podcast, yeah, you're all right, but you're not on my list of legends. Chat to you next week.